Good morning. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Here are the stories we're following today. On Friday, we had the S&P 500 up nearly 1.6%. It broke above the 100-day moving average and closed at a seven-week high. This advance, by the way, was led by pretty powerful rally in information tech. The S&P Information Tech Index was up nearly 2.6%. And it's kind of interesting, too, because we had yields jumping at the shorter end of the Treasury curve. That's typically a negative for stocks. We heard from the head of the San Francisco Fed, Mary Daly. She seemed to echo some colleagues in saying, the Fed might have to hike again. And at the same time, we had some troubling signs where consumer angst is concerned as it relates to inflation. The University of Michigan reported a year-ahead inflation expectation reading of 4.4%. That's up from 4.2% despite lower gasoline prices. So we had the two-year yield jumping roughly six basis points. We closed New York trading at 5.06%. Very little movement at the longer end of the curve. And late last Friday, the U.S. was threatened with a loss of its top credit rating. We'll take a closer look at that momentarily. We had some dollar weakness with the Bloomberg Dollar Spot Index down around two-tenths of one percent. Also, a little bit of weakness in the Japanese yen vis-a-vis the greenback, down about a tenth of one percent. And we've got the yen right now, 151.45. We'll take another look at markets for you in about 15 minutes. Brian? Doug, thanks very much. World News is next. Talks between the leaders of the U.S. and Qatar regarding trying to get the release of hostages from Gaza. Ed Baxter has that story and more from the 960 Newsroom in San Francisco. Ed? Yeah, that's right, Brian. Um, President Biden first wanted to express his thanks to uh, Sheikh Tamim for cooperation and already getting some hostages released and working toward the future. The president, the White House, has also affirmed a vision for Palestine as uh, uh, one where Israelis and Palestinians can live side by side. Meanwhile, U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan says there are active negotiations regarding hostages and those missing. On ABC, as heard on Bloomberg, says they involve the Israelis and the Qataris. We do not know the precise number of hostages. We know the number of missing, and that's the number the Israelis have given. But we don't know how many of those are still alive. As far as the Americans are concerned, there are nine missing American citizens as well as a a missing legal permanent representative, a green card holder. Uh, meanwhile, reports that Hamas has suspended prisoner exchange negotiations today, citing the bombing at Al-Shifa Hospital. And Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says regarding the hospital, it is achieving victory, his campaign, and is trying to save and protect civilians. I would say the ground offensive that we began is actually reducing the amount of civilian casualties because the population, the civilian population in Gaza is heeding our call and to on, vacate. And on NBC, as heard on Bloomberg, says they are trying to avoid civilian deaths. And I think every civilian death, every dead baby is a tragedy. But that tragedy should be placed squarely at the responsibility of Hamas that is keeping its military installations inside hospitals, its command posts inside hospitals, inside schools, inside uh, UNRWA, UN facilities, and so on. But Francis Emmanuel Macron, the president, on BBC calling for an immediate ceasefire. We know what terrorism means in France. But I think there is no justification precisely to attack civilians. And Australia's foreign minister, Penny Wong, is speaking out, asking for a tempering of the Israeli attacks in Gaza. How Israel defends itself matters. Uh, And when we affirm Israel's right to defend itself, what we we are also saying is Israel uh, uh, must comply 
uh, and observe with international humanitarian law. But Congressman Mike Lawler, who's in Tel Aviv on ABC, says a ceasefire will not work. Hamas is not someone, uh, some organization that is going to abide by a ceasefire. Uh, they are hell-bent on eradicating the state of Israel uh, and eliminating the Jewish people. Uh, you're not dealing with rational, reasonable people here. And also uh, this afternoon, uh, the Pentagon says it's conducted airstrikes against Iran-linked targets in Syria. It says against a training facility and a safe house. U.S. Speaker Mike Johnson is refusing to impose a 30% immediate cut to spending and U.S. asylum laws as well, pushing back on the right-wing conservatives of his party that have held up progress to funding. This is a temporary pause on cuts in hopes of getting Democrats on board so that the government can remain open into next weekend. Global News, 24 hours a day and whenever you want it with Bloomberg News Now in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter, and this is Bloomberg. Brian? All right, Ed, thanks very much. More now on U.S.-China this week. The White House says that restoring military communications with China is a priority, and it comes ahead of the meetings between President Joe Biden and Xi Jinping at the APEC summit in San Francisco. U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan makes the point here on CNN's State of the Union. When it comes to managing the relationship, ties and communications between our two militaries are critical. The Chinese have basically severed those communication links. President Biden would like to reestablish them, and he will look to this summit as an opportunity to try to advance the ball on that. And he's also looking for other practical ways to show the American people that sitting down with Xi Jinping can defend American interests and also deliver progress on the priorities of the American people. Jake Sullivan heard here on Bloomberg Radio. China suspended military communications last year to protest then House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan. The military ties were further complicated when Chinese Defense Minister Li Shang Fu was ousted last month, and that left U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin with no direct counterpart. And also coming up in a few moments, we'll get the expertise of Gregory Corte, Bloomberg White House and politics correspondent, for more on what to expect this week. Meantime, U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen is planning to visit China again next year. This comes at the invitation of Chinese Vice Premier He Lifeng. Both officials met for two days last week, and they agreed to intensify communication to improve U.S.-China relations. On Friday, both sides said communications will help the two countries avoid misunderstandings and unintended escalation. Here is Janet Yellen. I spoke to Vice Premier He about our goal of achieving a healthy economic relationship that benefits both our countries over time. We do not seek to decouple our economy from China's. This would be damaging to both the U.S. and China and destabilizing for the world. That is Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. Now, this trip to China by Yellen will be the second trip there by a Biden administration cabinet member. Brian? Well, China's Alibaba and JD.com reported sales increases for Singles Day. So that's November 11th. Bloomberg's David Inglis has more from Hong Kong. Alibaba said more than 400 brands exceeded 100 million in earnings, but that was after sizable discounts. And JD.com reported its orders hit new records. But neither company provided overall revenue figures for the event for a second year in a row. 
Meanwhile, the State Post Bureau said Chinese companies handled 639 million packages nationwide on November 11. That's an increase of 16% from last year. Both Alibaba and JD.com will report earnings next week, offering further clues on consumption. In Hong Kong, I'm David Inglis, Bloomberg Radio. Late on Friday, the U.S. credit rating outlook was cut to negative from stable by Moody's Investor Service. The firm said the downgrade risk essentially are the result of a problem with U.S. fiscal strength. Here is Bloomberg's Michael McKee. Moody's certainly with a negative uh, outlook could uh, take additional action if the U.S. were to have a government shutdown. Maybe this, uh, it could be that Moody's is looking at this as sort of a warning shot over the bow of uh, the USS Congress or something like that. That is Bloomberg's Michael McKee. Now, Moody's is expecting U.S. fiscal deficits to remain very large, that without effective fiscal policy measures to reduce government spending or increase revenues. Moody's cited political polarization within the U.S. Congress as a major risk to paying debt. Brian? Well, on the economic front, investors will be looking very closely this week at a report on consumer prices. Bloomberg's Denise Pellegrini has the story. Economists are expecting the consumer price index to signal we are stuck with inflation for now because the so-called core CPI, excluding food and fuel, well, it's expected to increase a third of a percent for a third straight month. And compared with October of last year, the core CPI is projected to rise 4.1 percent. That would match the annual advance in September and snap a six-month stretch of slowing price growth. All this could help explain why the Fed isn't ruling out further rate hikes in the current cycle. Central bankers slated to speak in the coming week include Chicago Fed President Austin Goolsbee and Fed Governor Philip Jefferson. Denise Pellegrini, Bloomberg Radio. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight, athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. I'm Brian Curtis, along with Doug Krisner and Paul Allen joins us now. And uh, our guest, uh, we're, we're taking, taking a closer look here at, at the uh, um, U.S.-China meetings this week in the APAC, generally with Gregory Corti, who is Bloomberg White House and politics correspondent. So the U.S. says the focus will be on military communications, and, and we haven't heard exactly from China what they think the focus will be. But I think for, for us, broadly speaking, even more broadly than that, is, is this intersection between national security or security issues and commercial interests. This is what really drives U.S.-China relations, more so than fearing either side would go to war with each other. Greg? 
Yeah, that's absolutely it. And this is, uh, but this military to military communication issue, which U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan teased, would be possibly one of the deliverables from the sidelines of this summit in San Francisco this mm. week. I, it, it definitely has some commercial implications, given that, you know, one of the major friction points is freedom of navigation in the South China Sea. Uh, which the United States is uh, continuing to try to protect with exercises there. And, of course, you have the Chinese trying to assert their uh, territorial dominance in that sphere. And the worry is, certainly on both sides, but it's articulated uh, from the United States, is that, uh, you know, those kinds of things can go wrong if there's not a hotline that each side can pick up to uh, to deconflict to explain themselves and uh, to make sure that any uh, there aren't any mistakes or misunderstandings between the two. That's been on hold for a while. Uh, the, the Chinese pulled out of that arrangement uh, last year after then House Speaker Nancy Pelosi visited Taiwan. So in protest, China uh, uh, bugged out. And so now the question is whether they can come to some kind of an agreement to, to restore that hotline. Yeah, and give us a sense of how necessary that is, because it was just a couple of weeks ago that you know we had a report of a Chinese fighter jet coming to within three meters of an Air Force B-52 bomber flying over the South China Sea, and that's just one of a number of similar sorts of incidents. What's the what are the sorts of risks here? Because it's one thing to have leadership contact, but these mistakes happen at a far far lower down the chain, don't they? Absolutely, and that's why it's important uh, for that communication channel to be open you know, all the way up to the highest levels, but also down to, as, as Jake Sullivan said today, the, the tactical operational level, so that, yes, people in the theater are talking to each other and, and deconflicting, uh, because, yeah, these uh, these somewhat aggressive maneuvers uh, by China to, to, to buzz U.S. ships uh, in the South China Sea can uh, look there. As you you point out, there's a, if there's only three meters of um, worth of uh, slack there, uh, things can go very wrong very quickly. Obviously, we're dealing with well trained pilots on both sides, but there's not a lot of margin of error. Yeah, and as you say, it's it's a possible deliverable, which would be good. It's always good to get some tangible uh, outcomes uh, from these meetings. So, what about Iran? Is Iran likely to be on the agenda? Yeah, that's another thing that Jake Sullivan identified as an issue. Of course, uh, you know, anytime you're talking about really any part in the world, that China's influence is lurking in the background is an issue for the U.S., but especially right now with the Middle East uh, and the Israel-Hamas war being the hot spot, obviously uh, the U.S. is trying to curtail Iran's influence in the region and uh, and its ability to finance Hamas and other terrorist groups in the Middle East. And one of the ways it's able to do that is to sell cheap, high-quality oil to the Chinese who have found themselves to be willing buyers. Uh, the U.S. is going to try to find some way to curtail that demand, but it's kind of hard to see how uh, China can resist uh, the, the, the the cheap oil that they can get from Iran because there aren't many other buyers. And so the issue becomes sort of a cat-and-mouse game of sanctions as the U.S. tries to identify the the ships that are transporting this and the port and the companies. Um, uh, but they would rather uh, see if there's a deal that, that can be made to cut it off from the source. We've also heard from uh, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, who has been saying that the U.S. doesn't seek decoupling from China. In terms of getting the economic relationship a little closer, what's a good starting point? What does a win look like at the end of this? Yeah, and, and she also said that she's uh, is planning to, to visit China next year. And so you, you 
kind of have to feel that in this freeze-thaw cycle of U.S.-China relationships, maybe we're getting a, just a little bit of a thaw. Uh, of course, as you pointed out earlier, the the military and the geopolitical and the commercial interests are, are all intertwined here. Uh, and the, certainly the, the geopolitical issues sometimes are a prerequisite to, to making progress on the commercial side. But uh, certainly... Um, yeah, that, that's one of the, the issues that uh, Janet Yellen has been working on. And we'll see how much time uh, Joe Biden has to devote to those issues when he meets with President Xi. Of course, anytime the U.S. and China meets, there's a whole uh, hour. The first hour is devoted yeah. to just sort of reiterating the, the policy <laughs> towards Taiwan and, and the China policy. Uh, so there's often not a whole lot of time to, to get done in the nitty gritty well, details. But to set yeah. up the People's Daily summed it up pretty well in in their editorial, um, basically of China's view, saying that China won't become another U.S. and and by that they mean a hegemon. Uh, the paper says the U.S. should give up its aggressive mindset and increase strategic mutual trust. Knowing the two, it doesn't seem like under this president and that general secretary uh, that it's likely to get too much better anytime soon. Well, and of course, uh, President Biden has some domestic political constraints here. The U.S.-China relationship is one of the top issues in the Republican presidential primary, uh, with each Republican candidate seemingly trying to outhawk the the next uh, in terms of their position on China. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.